Welcome to the City Life Lansing podcast. We hope this message empowers you to love life, love Jesus, love people, and dream more. You can connect with us at citylifelansing.com. You belong here. Morning, everybody. Memorial Day is a, a time to not only you know go to a parade, but it's a time to reflect and remember. And um, I think as Christians, we hold in uh, deep balance and tension is because we've been set free uh, eternally to be connected to God. And there's people that have literally died for the sake of the gospel. But also in this country, as citizens here as well, there's people that have died just for us to go and smash burgers all night. And we don't even give the credit sometimes to recognize what in the world we're doing. And I think it's, it's just very healthy to remember. I was stopped after a wedding yesterday in the um, guy came up to me and he said, hey, I just want to thank you for saying that love is, uh, it's, it's painful as well. He goes, I go around and I speak all across the nation because uh, my son was uh, lost in Afghanistan. And I just talk about how love is sacrificial. And I just, it was, I thought that was neat that you included that in the wedding ceremony. And I was just you know, humbled in that moment. One, that he came up to me. And then two, the sacrifice of his family, his son, and the fact that he's continuing the legacy going around. And I said, you know, obviously we want to live in such a way that would honor your son's life, that we would, you know, proclaim the good news here and enjoy the freedoms, but also try to have freedom for all people. And even in this, in this city, there's people that don't have the freedom that they should. And as in, in a house of God, meaning not a building, but the people of God here, we get to be agents of that restoration. And that's what's so beautiful. So just want to take a moment and pray uh, for some time, uh, for, for some, just in this morning here, in this portion, where there's some people that uh, just this is a time of grief and they're lost in their family. And, and it's also a time that we can say thank you uh, to so many that have served. Jesus, we pause right now asking for your grace and mercy to flow and flood to families that have lost loved ones. And God, not in this country, but also there's people probably across the whole world that have served their countries. And God, that it's just a time to remember life um, to remember how deep life is and it's not, um, love is not free. It comes with hurt and pain and sacrifice. And God, we wanna acknowledge that and just feel your power today in that and ask for your comfort and your peace to touch so many families across the nation. And God, we thank you for so many that made this possible. And at the same time, we thank you for you making it possible that we could have an eternal home. In Jesus' name, amen. You know what I just did in my mind? I was like, I wonder how long I could be quiet before somebody would say something. <laughs> Come on, pause is good in life. Sometimes you gotta pause. Sometimes you just gotta pause. It's good in life, isn't it? You know, God's so interested in not just your story today, but in how our stories connect together. Some of us, we've quit loving because we've just felt so unloved. And the pain is real that you feel and the disappointment is shocking and startling many times, but I think there's a new day and there's a new wave here to not only let you feel and experience love, but I believe that the love's contagious that'll carry through this living body, this family, this team, us together. That's what we're here for. Because we're not about chairs, we're not about lights, it's about us together growing and really working through some of the issues and the struggles and the pains and the discomforts we have uh, in our upbringings. And some of us have just been constantly beat down in life. We don't even know what it means to live free anymore. And then if you say to somebody, okay, well now let's go love freely. Man, I don't even know how to live freely. 
So how am I supposed to love freely? And then there's some that enter the game and we say, okay, I'm in. I can live free because of what Jesus did. It's so awesome. And they got that personal Jesus moment. It's like Depeche Mode. Anybody ever remember that song? Personal Jesus. Personal That's what it was like. It was much better. I'm not sure if it was good. Uh, I don't endorse it, but I remember personal Jesus because I think, I think for us, um, some of us are starting to experience some awesome power in God. We're like, okay, man, God loves me. He knows me. I can spend time with him. I have access to him. How powerful is this? There's no condemnation anymore. I'm right in the game. I'm a friend of God. And the pendulum probably swung a little bit because I think for so long people played religion, right? And I have to do everything right to be perfect, And if I'm not perfect, God won't love me. And then you finally realize, wait, God doesn't love perfect. He actually changes and transforms ugly. And he knows you at your worst place. And he loves you anyways. And that's what's called grace. And then you're like, yes. We start to shout. We remember Jesus. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you. You had this personal Jesus. So the pendulum goes from one side. I don't know if I can ever get tight with God. Now I'm so tight with God. It's just about me in God. And you could see how this can somehow now start to create even like the wrong type of space what God could be wanting, the wrong type of boundary. Because now that we have God, we, we have the access to, we can just kind of hold people out because we don't need them. I don't need them. I mean, God loves people, but I don't have to love them. It's kind of somehow the paradox we start to think because people hurt us. People hurt us. They let us down. In fact, some, maybe we can look back to certain times in our life we reminisce. So I remember when I had a bunch of friends and we did this. And that friend group was built on a like or an interest. And even sometimes you thought maybe I had a bunch of friends and we did a bunch of bad stuff and it was around this like or an interest. You know, you get Facebook and you see likes or interests and people connect. And God has wired us to connect with people who have the same likes and interests. Some like sports, some don't. Some like fishing, some don't. Some like working, others don't, right? I mean, it doesn't matter where you're at in the perspective, you, 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 your spectrum, you start to come get closer to people that are like you. And that might be the entry level version of love. And what we're going to look at today is how crazy God looks at this thing here, right here. I'm talking about the family. Talk about those that have said that Jesus is their Lord and Savior, that God calls us brothers and sisters. He calls us friends and he tells us to love each other. I'm not, I'm, I'm like, even like each other. And I'll tell you what, I, I've, I've met some of you. You're super weird. <laughs> you know what I found in this journey of pastoring a year and a half? It's how weird you are, but how weird I am too. Because there's so much going on in your weird family, in my weird family. And then we come together and we wonder why we can't be family because we're all struggling with so many different things and we can't just suck up our pride and start to really show humility and recognize what he did for us. So we kind of have like this masquerade thing going on where I put on a mask. And we're gonna turn to Romans chapter 12. And this, this chapter, if you, if you have a Bible, um, you can turn there. And if you don't, you can get one on your phone. And if you don't even care that much, we put it on the screen. And no matter where you're at, this chapter is so cool. I mean, this thing is f- just filled with notes in my Bible. Uh, I, literally, it looks, it looks crazy. Every line is filled with rich content that checks me so hard because I'm not naturally inclined to be like this. 
In fact, the chapter starts off and it says, you know, you got to be a transformer. Not Optimus Prime, but a transformer in God. And verse 2, it says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. That by the testing, you may discern what is the will of God, what is good, what is acceptable and perfect. And it goes on to talk about how there's different gifts of grace and how God has positioned each one of us differently. And that's good news because if everybody was like you, we'd be in trouble. And it's good that we complement each other. Now you may want a room full of yourself, but I'm telling you, as you've realized probably in your life, when you look in the mirror sometimes, God's got to do some work in you just like he has to do some work in the person next to you. And when we allow him to work on us together, something beautiful happens and you see this mark of a Christian that the love would be genuine. And we're going to pick it up just verse 10 today. All right. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Loving one another with brotherly affection, outdoing one another, showing honor. This type of love to love each other is not just something that is uh, conscious, but it's actual. I mean, it's tangible. You should be able to feel it like a family. It's, it's, it's a brother. This is your brother. This is your sister. And there's a deep affection that's being talked about here. That Paul's saying, hey, I want to challenge you. Hey, you remember how you were dead in sin? You guys remember that? You remember that moment? He starts off right when he starts the book. He says, hey, remember how all these people have walked astray and then by the grace of God saved us, that while we were still sinners, Christ set us free. But now that you're free, you just live free. And but why don't you want to love free? I want to challenge you to start to love and lean in. And I know it's hard, but wait, why is it so hard? Don't you recognize how much I love you? And this what type of love and what it really is, is it is a family type love. It's even a liking. It's a deep honor that would say with my possessions, I'm going to honor people. And I think even in this country, we could get most deceived in this area because we could think we're loving somebody and because we're defining what love is, not what God defines what love is. And so we start to say, okay, I have a boundary. I'm going to put where these position is. Okay, here's my boundary. I'm going to love somebody. Okay, back there is my boundary. And okay, this is my sphere of love right here. This is as far as I love. And I'm, if anybody comes uh, uh, inside here, I don't love them. They're not allowed to come in my little zone, my personal Jesus zone. But every once in a while, I'm going to step out and I'm going to love you. And I just may even like you, but I don't have to because thank God, God loves you. God loves you. God loves you. What Paul's writing here is not, hey, just that if God loves you, that's enough. But no, like us, we have to love each other. That we're called and we're commanded to love one another with brotherly affection. And how could this happen to somebody who was so, um, if anybody could maybe have a little bit of the bitter bug? I mean, Paul was always getting beat up for the gospel. I mean, there's ever time to stop, stop not liking people really quick. It could be Paul. He was getting challenged and, and constantly persecuted and, and knocked down and, and shipwrecked. And he's going through so much nonsense, but he's still saying, hey, I'm going to tell you the gospel's worth it. The family of God looks so different than what the family of the world's trying to tell us. And I'll tell you this. I think a lot of times, here's what we do. God, bring revival to Lansing. Bring revival to our nation. Bring revival to our world. And I think what maybe God could be saying sometimes is just, why won't you just love each other? Who's going to stop the cycle? 
Because if you think about the cycle in life, I mean, you get, maybe as a kid, you remember this? If somebody gets punched, oh, who did it? <laughs> and we're going there. Remember one time this kid spit on me. All my friends, we went over to the house. And we're like, how dare you spit on my friend? And then it turns into this crazy thing. Dad comes out baseball bats and it was, you know, running away. Whoa, it's crazy. And we, we had, we, we, we patched it up later. It was like much respect. Like, man, you're a tough dude. And he's like, you guys are tough too. It was just like, they, no one was backing down in that setting. That's actually when it gets the most scariest is when someone doesn't back down. Because when there's not a deeper conviction that would stop you and say, wait, wait, who's going to be the bigger person to love right now? Because some of us have been wrong so much. We want to lash out. We're just done. We're done with the system. We're done with people. We're ready to just lash out and kind of give up because life has been so challenging. And I want you to hear that there's just a fresh wave of how God views love today. And if you would be so challenged this morning to just say, okay, here's maybe the boundaries you've created. Would you allow God to start shifting the boundaries in your life and see how he views them? Because boundaries are healthy. But we have to stop and say, wait, okay, you're leading here, right? How do you want to lead me? How do you want to guide me? And he's wanting us to love one another with brotherly affection and to outdo one another in showing honor. What would that look like? I'll tell you, as we go into 1 Corinthians 12, this is a the chapter we've been in for this series. Everything is awesome and talking about the body and the nuances and I think we can relate so much to the church that Paul's writing here is uh, we start to complain and start to think we have no use for each other. Only when it's serviceable, right? So if I need something from you, I'm more inclined to treat you nice. Everybody knows when they've gotten that phone call when they're going to get asked for money or something, right? Or you've been, you've been on the other end. I knew how I used to talk to my parents, you know, just like conversation goes a little bit longer and then be like, hey, can I get a 20? <laughs> Actually, it might be 40 because, yeah, we're going to go out later and... Um, yeah, yeah, you're right. Probably 50. You're right. You're right. So that, thanks so much. I love you. <laughs> you know, gone. God, but it was so sweet on the front end. You ever like that with God? So sweet on the front end. Oh God, if you just show up this one time. I remember I got in trouble so many times. And every time I was like, God, if you just save me this time, I'll change. <laughs> if you just get me out of this one. When are we going to stop that and just start obeying what he wants us to do? And just start submitting and following and being wrecked by his word, wrecked by his truth. Verse 21, it says, The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. And on the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And our unpresentable parts is treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body. Pause. Who's the author of the body? God. What is the body? Us. Different. Backgrounds. Likes. Interests. Skills. Makeup. Origin. Desires. Dreams. But yet God calls us as one. He calls us as a body. And I think as we start to pause and say, okay, I don't get to just determine how you're going to use the body. I first have to just recognize it is your body. And as I recognize it's your body, then I'm more inclined to ask, 
how do you want to treat your body? How do you want to treat your people? As it continues, it says, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. Wow. What would it look like if we didn't have division? Because what happens when there's conflict? Most of the times when we get conflict, we're offended. And when we're offended, what do we typically do? We lash out the same way we were hurt. Hurt people, hurt people. Hurt people, hurt people. And you may think that you've, uh, you wonder why so many people are hurting you. Well, maybe you're part of it too. And we just constantly keep hurting people. Someone has to break the cycle. Somebody has to get connected into the body. Somebody has to start seeing it how God sees it and starts recognizing, wait, 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 there can't be any more division. I think the world's looking and he's saying, all right, you Jesus people. Okay, you love Jesus, right? I, I see what you're doing. You come out every once in a while. You might have a sign. You might show up at our events really loud with a speaker, but by God's grace, I don't even know if you love people. I don't even know where you're at. I don't even know if you can show up and just constantly love. And here's why it's even the most funniest because I look at you guys and you won't even love each other, right? I mean, that's what happens. We're a dysfunctional family. We're a dysfunctional family when we try to lead and not submit to letting Jesus's grace wreck us. Because we start to work through adversity differently, offense differently, forgiveness looks differently. Because when we get offended, what do we do? We look like a two-year-old that didn't get the lollipop at Meyer. We do. No, no, it was that, it was that. You should have seen it. Has anyone ever gotten fired? If you gotten fired, you remember those moments. You're ready to, right? I mean, it's, it's on. You don't even, you don't even, you don't want to get any teachable in that moment. You're not 1% teachable. It's always been everybody else's fault, hasn't it? Our whole life. This is what we do. And in fact, in this country, to some degree, we have been so conditioned because of this artificial boundary, this artificial space we have. We can hide all of our issues and keep them right to ourselves. We have to let nobody in. Because if I pay my rent, you don't have to come in my house. You don't know what's going on. And if I pay my cell phone, you don't have to look and see what's in there. But God is doing a deep surgery this morning, a deep therapy this morning. He's going right at our hearts, y'all. And when he goes right at our hearts, I'm telling you, it just, it's, not, it's not enough just to get mature because I think you can get mature and kind of act like you like somebody. You ever been there? Oh yeah, I love you. It's awesome, brother. Get in the car. Gosh, a person is so annoying. They come to me all the time. It's like, you know, come on, Guilty. It's like, wow. Sometimes I catch myself. I'm just like, whoa. Don't worry, it's never been you. Never said it about you. <laughs> if one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. You know what this means? We share in the pain, but we share in the gain. We share in the pain, but we share in the gain. There's probably somebody here that's been stressed this week. We share in that. Somebody here has probably been super blessed this week. We share in that. And we start to really love the family. We start to love what's going on with the family. So to see it how God sees it, such a powerful, profound way. This love on itself is absolutely impossible. There's just no way you and me can do it unless we go back to where this kind of love comes from. And we recognize how we got it, how we received it, and how we're in the family and how we're even in the body. And when we pause to reflect and remember, I think what happens is we start to regain this opportunity to love one another with brotherly affection. 
And we start to want to show honor to each other because we're recognizing that that's how Jesus sees us. Do you know Jesus sees you as his prized possession? Maybe you've never known that and never felt that, that God has pursued you. He knows you by name. He calls you intimately by name. You ever called somebody by their name? You watched them perk up? And maybe your name's been used in a bad way that you don't even uh, really respond to it in a healthy way anymore. But as you look into the innocent eyes of a child and you start to use their name, you just see them come alive. It's like, whoa, they know my name. They know my name. By using kids' names uh, by volunteer at some of the schools in Lansing here, uh, there was a handful of kids who just started calling me dad. I only volunteered like twice a month. I was like, I, 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 I instantly downplayed it to one. I started going to one time a month. I was like, I can't have any more kids. I got five. But no, I'm kidding. But that's how much they wanted love, just to be known by name. This is where the gospel is so powerful. It's so beautiful. He calls you by name. He calls you by name. And when Jesus, he's showing up with his crew, he's got his team ready, and he's going to drop an exclusive, okay, He's going to drop a new commandment on him. Just a couple chapters earlier from John 15, he's dropping a new commandment on him. I mean, this is DJ exclusive, like exclusive, exclusive. That's what Jesus was doing. He was wondering. And so he dropped it just like that. It was awesome. You should have seen it. B-boys, everything was there. He's like, bang, you know. Anyways, that's how I envisioned it. But so he was there and he drops this new commandment. You got to think in the moment, they're thinking, commandment, we know all about laws. We know all about routine. We know all about religion. Uh, We got another one? I thought you were starting to lead us to this new hype thing. We were loving this. We were dunking. You you were showing us some NBA highlights. We're walking on water. water. What's happening? This is good stuff. Jesus, new commandment. What does this look like? And he, he starts to unpack this new commandment, which is to love one another as he'd loved us. John 15, verse 12, it says, this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, than someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. Check this. No longer do I call you servants for the servant does not what his master is doing, but what I have called you is to be friends for all that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me. You could pause right there, but I chose you. I'm telling you, this is where the grace, this is where it gets really deep. Because you start to wonder, well, hey, why, why do I got to love God? How far do you want these boundaries to go? Well, you got to stop and say, man, who's the one that gave us life? Did we find him or he found us? He found us. And we weren't just kind of like maybe going to choose God. We were dead in sin, not going to choose God. And by his spirit, he made this miraculous thing take place where we believe. Faith. It's, we believe. It's just so profound. It's so amazing. And something happens and that love story changes us on the depth of our soul. And he appointed you that you should go and bear much fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I've commanded you so that you will love one another. You can read this with different tones or different inflection. You can read this with different perspectives. So you can start to just focus on, okay, I gotta love people um, and I gotta abide and I gotta bear fruit. No, 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 stop, stop. No, no, you can't bear fruit and you can't love. You actually have to let his love flow 
through you. What type of love? A love that would see you on the outside, like you didn't have the gym membership. You ever went to the nice gym membership place? Just for a minute. You ever had a guest pass at one of those nice places? You ever had anybody look at you like, are you a guest? Are you? It's like cordial, right? It's like subtle love. It's, it maybe feels like they like you a little bit, but until you're a member, a member. Remember I started playing basketball with some guys one time. It's like I got initiated. It took like two weeks, right? I got initiated. And once I got initiated, it was like, man, he's in. He's good. Bring him in. And one time it was so crazy because, it, and I, I've done this exact same thing, but I remember that, you know, when you show favoritism and you, you like literally start to think certain people are better than certain people based upon what they give you. But since I was in the in crowd now, one time they're going to take a group of guys and they're like, hey, hey, right in the middle of the game. They're like, hey, we need one more. Can you come? Right in the middle of the game. And I remember I was like so conflicted because I was like, oh, the, good, the, the in crowd wants me to play with the like college players. This is going to be so fun. Um, and then I looked around and I was like, oh, like this team doesn't get to go. And I was like crazy. And I just said, ah, no, I'm gonna stay and play. And we just stayed and we played. And it was just this crazy paradigm that happens to all of us where we just kind of show more favoritism to one party than another party for a particular moment. And this is what I love about God. And this is how he wrecks us so deeply is he is the things that people see as lowly, sometimes people, sometimes property, sometimes places. God sees as desired. He doesn't see him as outcast. He's trying to bring him into the family. And right before Romans 12 is Romans 11. In Israel, he's, Paul's breaking down. He's saying, uh, children of Israel, they didn't, they, they, they didn't understand why these Gentiles are just getting in. How are you gonna let them in? Why they got a guest, guest pass? And he's trying to describe what the gospel and the power is happening, that the Gentiles are in. That means those that weren't included originally, they thought, no, that was God's plan, that he would search the depths of the planet and go find people from all backgrounds, all people groups that would worship him in spirit and in truth. And they're in. And I'm telling you, they're not in kind of like with a limp. They're not in with holding one of these things. You're not in just with like a chain. You know, it's not like a dog where it's like, okay, I'm gonna let you in, but here you can only run so far, you know. I had a dog, he was crazy as a kid. He just, his name's Toro. He used to just run to the edge of the chain and scare every person known to man, just like, you know, and just like, just super, super crazy. You know, it's like scary. God bless Carlos. Where's Carlos at? Carlos has been attacked by like 600 pit bulls on his, on his mail routes. Seriously, he'd come to Bible study like praying. You know, I mean, that's, dude, pit bulls? Stuff is for real, right? I mean, he's just like, dang, he's like running up on him. He's just like, whoa, whoa, you know, trying to remain calm. I mean, it's serious when a dog's come at you. We put, we kind of do this with, we think like family. It's what we think kind of like with God or people. Well, I'm in, but I don't know how much God wants to let them in, those people, right? Well, with this brotherly affection, it says, no, 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 no. These are my people. That's what God says. What are you doing? How are you calling something that's second tier that's mine? How are you saying this body part can't be used? How are you saying, this is a family thing. It's a family affair. There's no chain. There's no chain. Come on, we all got it. We're all in the same. Same pain, same gain. It's powerful. It's profound. And so as we remember, I think what happens is um, we start to recognize it's never been our love anyways. Because you start to realize Jesus loves you so much that his love wants to solve every issue you've ever had. For real. There's nothing the gospel doesn't solve. We're always looking for the answer. Is it money? Is it prosperity? What is, what is it? Is it? Is it, can I just get off drugs? What, what, what are these things? No, no, no. It's, we've been dead and made alive. And that's enough to serve him and follow him wherever he says. 
And so if he says to love one another, then we want to do it joyfully, not spitefully or begrudgingly. And I think what people will see, um, they'll see a love that is so scandalous, it can break down any barrier, any wall, any place, because God's love is that powerful. That his love could show what it looks like to just love one another. There's a picture here. And, uh, you know, this has been a huge amount of tension in our country. And, I, you know, what's interesting is, is this has only been uh, documented uh, online for, for a while, uh, let's say, or resurfaced. This has been going on for a long time. There's people of color that get pulled over for uh, ridiculous reasons. They don't commit more crimes. This is a documented fact. And people don't understand that there is literally uh, systematic oppression that just is going on. And there's prejudices built into society that people don't understand. And they're like, oh, well, why are you so mad? You don't understand. You don't if you're not in those positions and you haven't been oppressed for a certain time, then you don't know what it's like to be beat down and you don't know what it's like to feel like that. And so when you do see things get wrong and you see people, you know, instantly get acquitted of uh, uh, just harming somebody who is unarmed, I mean, you could see how it could start just this tension at heart. And I think too often Christians, we jump in and we're like, oh, let me give you my opinion. Let me give you my opinion. And I think what God's saying is, no, no, he's like saying, no, no, can, can, can we love in, in a way that would stand up for just, just those that are broken? Could we stand up for justice? Could we just do the unthinkable? And could we love in a way that could forgive and embrace and just change? And I'll tell you what, it doesn't start with the outside. It starts right here, right here. And so we get so uh, caught up, um, you know, disappointed about if... Uh, you know, I, I find myself with this sometimes, just if service doesn't go exactly how I wanted it to, you know. I remember one time the tea wasn't what the tea, I was like, last week we had the peach tea, what happened? <laughs> right? I heard we changed the coffee. We did. Um, Terrence has been taking it to the next level. Got to go out there. Yeah, Terrence, give a shout out to Terrence. Shout out to Terrence and all the team and all the dream team making this possible. Th- thank you, everybody. If you're not on the dream team, get on the dream team. It's a great time. And... Um, I think of the gospel and the gospel brings reconciliation um, in a way that nothing else can. I dare you to believe again. And I'm not talking about believe in people. I'm talking about just believe in God and watch what he can do with your life, even in the most broken, desolate places, even under the most enormous pain. Because the person writing this knew very well of affliction, knew very well what it was like to be beaten, mocked, whipped, laughed, left for dead and still said, hey, I count it all joy because my God's worth it. And I think that's what happens when we start to really recognize what it means to be saved, that we're saved, we live forever. And if you don't know Jesus, man, I would just encourage you. It's not like, uh, you know, people say, well, God's just like a a mountain and it doesn't matter which way you're looking at him. You know, we're kind of all looking at the same thing here, right? You heard that one? He's just a mountain. It doesn't matter what perspective. I'm like, interesting. This dude, he says he's a Scientologist and that's written by a science fiction writer. That's the same as this guy over here that just died for the poor. Like what, what, what's going on here? Uh, So this person, uh, well, this person misrepresented Jesus, but wait, go look at Jesus. One of my friends I loved, uh, he, he said this, he goes, even if I didn't believe in Jesus, I still think it's the best story I've ever heard in my life. Why is he the most hated, debated? It's because he is to be the one most celebrated. And there has been an attack on your life for a long time and it's been Satan. And Satan does not win when you let Jesus step in. And so today I pray that you would let Jesus step in. 
And when you let Jesus step in, man, he does new things. I know, I'm living proof. And I've watched him do it over and over and over and over again. So here's what we do. We stand up for loving each other. Like for real. That means don't just jump onto some chat and, and first seek to understand. Do you understand the pain? Because God does. He doesn't just jump in. It's kind of silly if a doctor starts prescribing just on the phone, wouldn't it be? Ah, it sounds like this. Boring people, click, you know. Give them this, click. Because we've gotten so hurt, that's kind of how we act to people. But when we recognize that God's love has been chasing us for a really long time. So loving one another in his clothes, just a couple thoughts here is this. Love, loving one another is merely a response to being loved by Jesus. It's as free as that. <sighs> it's as free as that. Swoo. Wow. Really? Yeah, it's that simple. The problem is we really don't let Jesus love us. And a good litmus test is how much we love people and how much we're willing to stand up for people. There's three areas of application that I think we could really examine. Uh, first would be our heart. Um, it, in the new year, I, our family caught a, a bug and I, I got it. And then I was up all night and throwing up. It was just crazy. And it was just being a super baby because I like when, I mean, I love having five kids now, but I love the days when it was just Crystal could take care of me when I was sick. And, and she would just baby me all night and she would get anything I wanted. But this moment was just me alone and, and uh, the porcelain throne. And I'm just there and I'm so uh, just mad at everything. I mean, I, I hate everything in that moment and I hate pretty much everyone. And I feel, this may sound weird, but it almost felt like spiritual warfare. It felt like demons and angels. And uh, I was just thinking, what in the world is going on? I mean, it felt as if it was, welcome to 2017. Go get them. I was like, this is not what I thought when I thought about the year. And the Lord was checking me. He's like, why do you have that thought? Uh, they've been bothering me and I've been creating a boundary because they've been hurting me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But why do you have that thought? Well, because they've been bothering me and I've been creating a boundary and they've been hurting me. And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, what did I do for you? I know that was then. It's now. You're, they're messing with me. And he kept wrecking my heart in situation to situation. And what was happening, and this kind of started to begin the theme for just the love runs too. And it was going on before that, but just in a real deep way, he's like, didn't my love run to you? when you didn't deserve it. I'm like, yeah, God, but that was this moment. He's like, no, no, no. I've called you to go after people that people think are unreachable, that people have given up on so many times. I've called you to love them even when they just are annoying the snot out of you. And I've called you to constantly let me position your boundaries. And then I might extend them. I might make them smaller. And you know what? Sometimes I'll just remove them because I want you to get so close to the pain so you can be so close to the gain. And will you be willing to serve me through the battles? Because we give up so quick as soon as the storm hits. Okay, Jesus, you were good at Savior stuff, but now you're not fun at the Lord stuff. I didn't know it was gonna be hard. Newsflash, whoever said Christianity was easy, lies. Whoever said it's just, oh, yes, this is great. No, 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 it's gonna be hard. Just like loving one another, but it's worth it. And I was, I was convicted in my heart to think of, hmm, all right, 
God, you have done a miracle in me. I'm, a, I'm just gonna keep believing. I'm gonna keep believing. When I read another, uh, 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 just another stat in the newspaper, there's another shooting, right? It's kind of like, oh, it's the eighth one in Lansing, eighth homicide. It's like, whatever, I'm glad I don't live there. You know, I'm thinking, man, what does God say? He says, I live there. That's what he says. He goes, no, I, I live there. I'm act- I was actually there in the moment. He's like, will you, will, you, will you believe that I can love? I think that's what he's doing. I think it's a new day. I think he's believing in your jobs, with, in your heart, that you could start to not just love them by externally, but that you could actually try to love them internally, that God could do some heart surgery. Come on, today, in you, in your hearts, if you let him. Second is be with your words. Is uh, One of our kids came home and was playing at the park and said, Dad, I got something to tell you. I said, what happened, buddy? This person called me ugly. I was like, aw. It's not that bad, because you're not ugly. It's really bum, though. I said, how'd that make you feel? He goes, really sad. I said, well, what does God say about you? I'm not ugly. Exactly. So that person was probably hurt in life, right? Yes. So how can what God says about you, you can tell them what God says about them? Well, that I'm not ugly and they're not ugly. Absolutely. So you got to focus on that because words hold weight. And when you love people, your words can do damage. They can hurt so bad and it's hard to repair them. But I'm telling you, when you start to speak life, you start to uh, align with the kingdom of heaven because God speaks life. You know who speaks confusion? Satan. You know who speaks clarity and conviction? God. You know who's edifying? God. Calls us by name? God. It's his kindness, his goodness, his steadfast love that leads us to repentance, God. Not just our condemnation and saying what we're against, but rather what we're for. And if we would carry this banner of love, I think people will see and they'll be like, all right, that place is living because it's moving. It's on fire. What is happening? That church isn't a building anymore. It's people going everywhere, loving people from any type of backgrounds because they believe everyone is made in the image of God. And so we don't need to see if someone has a, like a, right? Like, if they, are you a Christian? Can I love you? No, no, we don't even need to know. You're God's, so therefore we love you. And then lastly, with our actions. Sixth grade football coach used to always say this. Talk is cheap, gentlemen. Talk is cheap. Run another lap, gentlemen. Talk is cheap. Talk is cheap, gentlemen. I was like, we're going to win this week. We're going to win. He's like, Y'all last, you lost last week. Run another lap. Talk is cheap, gentlemen. Talk is cheap. Finish the season four and two. I never forget it. Talk is cheap. I used to ride my bike home with the shoulder pads on the side of it, you know, in the helmet. And those were the days. Come on, that's back in the day. <laughs> it's back in the day. And it was serious to me. It was everything. Talk is cheap. I think sometimes, man, lip service with God. Who are you faking? Who are you fooling? Let the actions be a litmus test. The actions don't necessarily, they don't get you anything. They don't get you these, uh, get you tight with God. It's just merely a response of the grace working in you. That's a great way for us to check and see where God is in our life. Let's pray. Jesus, this um, is super challenging for me um, to love deeper, the closer I get to people and it's such a powerful, beautiful thing. Um, and I thank you that you're the chief shepherd that uh, you love so deeply that you're present and carrying through times of 
intense suffering, but you also celebrate in times of great victory. God, we're humbled that we even get to be in and the fact that you call us friend. I pray today that you will grow in each one of us uh, uh, just this desire to love people again. And for some of us um, to, to love people uh, even at all. And for other of us, it's to love deeper and let the love run to people deeper. And God, I pray that it would never, ever, ever be built on a foundation apart from your love first to us. I, um, this may sound weird, but I feel like someone's hearing again. And what I mean by that is you're actually hearing God again, like in your soul, your heart's been so hardened that you're hearing God again. And he's been talking the whole time. You've just created all these barriers and these walls. And he's softened in this moment. He's used this in his sovereign plan, this divine timing here right now, just to say again, hey, look, I've been chasing you. Come on, come back home. And I feel like God's given new starts. He's given new hearts. He's given new thoughts. He's given new words. He's telling people, hey, it's not too late to start. Let's go on the adventure now. God, we pray your grace and your power in this place today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to the City Life Lansing podcast. Loving you and loving the city one life at a time. For more information, messages, and to partner financially, go to citylifelancing.com. You belong here.